What is going on? Happy Friday. The Pete Callender Show. I'm the Pete. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. 704-570-1110. 1-800-WBT-1110. Those are the phone numbers. You can email also Pete at com, And hit me up on the Twitter machine at Pete Callender. And, of course, uh, get the podcast right to your smartphone or tablet every single day. Three podcasts firing off in rapid succession about 15 minutes after the end of each hour. So you get the whole show, commercial-free, right to your phone. Um, Let me start off in Florida. Because I've been watching the the unfolding drama going on with Disney World and the legislature and all that. Um, I've been watching it, and in case you haven't noticed this about me, I tend to wait for things to develop. I try not to, you know, rush in and make all sorts of judgments immediately because I don't know. And and it's harder once you start, you know, staking out positions. And then if information changes, it's hard to move off of those positions, even when facts require it. Look at the branch Covidians, right? People adopted certain narratives, certain ways of thinking, and they were and still are unable to break free of some of those earlier ideas uh, from the pandemic. So I, you know, I start reading stuff and it doesn't make it onto the show immediately, but it goes into a development file, basically. And so I have all of these stories, these different analyses and background uh, pieces on on the fight. But I am curious if you think that this is a fight that is going to end the way you want it to end, do you think that this fight, because my expectation right now is that this thing blows over after the election and before the deadline runs out on the, uh, on the repeal of this law. That's where I'm at right now. That's, that's how I see this kind of unfolding. Um, also, I try not, and I urge others, not to get, uh, well, tricked, but you don't have to make a choice that one is the villain and one is the hero in all cases. It is possible, I know this is going to come as a shock, but it is possible that a legislature, even one controlled by Republicans, but it is possible that a legislature might have rushed through a piece of legislation and it's going to have unintended consequences. This is one of the things about conservatism, one of the first principles of conservatism, which is you don't, you know, upend the entire system immediately, which is what the left is always calling for us to do, right? To tear it all down, start over, build utopia. And conservative first principles, you know, dictate that you don't rush headlong and make drastic sweeping changes overnight because uh, it's not healthy for the society. You cause a lot of unintended consequences. And there are things that you just don't know that may have come to light if you had taken a slower approach, right? That things had developed over time, our systems, our culture, it's developed over time. And there are reasons why certain elements were kept and others discarded. And this is one of my arguments against the left constantly and the postmodernists and critical race theory stuff is that there's this desire to discard things that we know traditionally from history, going back even thousands of years, that these things tend to work. 
I'll never forget there was a <clears throat> there was an appearance that Jordan Peterson made a couple years back. I think he was debating. Uh, I think his name is Sam Stein, who's an atheist, and they've had several of these conversations. But uh, Jordan Peterson, he's not a particularly overtly religious person. He's a he's the clinical psychiatrist out of Canada. He refused to uh, adopt the or or labor under the laws of Canada that dictated that he had to use the preferred pronouns or something with his students. And again, this is a clinical psychiatrist. So he has treated actual people with all sorts of dysphoria and stuff like that. And that launched him into into fame, basically, because he fought back against this law. And uh, he has now parlayed that into a very successful, you know, speaking and book tour. And uh, he's got podcasts and all that stuff. And I enjoy listening to him. The man's brilliant. He wrote the 12 Rules for Life. But he talked about, in this conversation with Sam Stein a couple years ago, if you were trying to construct some rules, some very fundamental, rudimentary rules on how we can all get along with each other, right? As, because as people, you know, we are, we're social animals for the most part, like a lot of us, uh, you know, I'm, I'm fine, you know, being a loner, but I, I do need to have some human interaction. Everybody does, even loners. So... Uh, even introverts. And so he said, if you were going to try to construct a system by which we can order our society and have as you know few problems as, as possible, he said, you'd be hard pressed to find a better system than the one that is spelled out, for example, in Ten Commandments and Christianity. It's a, it's a good way for most people to interact with one another. These are things, he said, take the metaphysical properties out of Christianity. And just look at the teachings itself. And if you're trying to construct a good society where most people can get along with one another and cohabitate and all that, then you'd be hard-pressed to find a better system. And that's an intellectual approach right, to the fight that we find ourselves in over the culture. So we've discarded different things over the course of you know, human existence that we knew didn't work. We've adopted things that did work. And this is a conservative first principle. Things like the nuclear family and the extended family, right? The, we recognize there, were, there is value in these structures. So we kept them. So blowing them all up willy-nilly, conservatives have, have pushed back against that because it's a first principle. So that being said, we'll get into the Disney... <laughs> The Disney legislation here. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. All righty, so let's get to it. Headline, Politico, Florida lawmakers vote to dismantle Disney's special privileges over don't say gay. The use of that phrase, the use of that phrase to describe the legislation is usually the dead giveaway that you're dealing with a Democrat with a byline. The headline in Politico uses that phrase because they know that this is what the left has branded it as, and so that's what they call it. The adoption of the Democrat narrative by media is part of the problem. And this is a really good example of 
how the left and the media inflame people with their narrative crafting. Because once it hardens, once it calcifies as the narrative, you've got half of the people, actually the majority of people in Florida, support that bill. And it's not a don't say gay bill. But Democrats crafted that narrative in order to fundraise off of it and get earned media coverage, as it's called, earned coverage. And um, now it's calcified. And that agitates people who have actually read the bill, know what's in it, know what it's about, which is, hey, don't be talking to five-year-olds about who you're having sex with. Okay? How about that? So this is uh, Politico. The rest of the article is fairly, uh, fairly, obje- I don't want to say objective, but it is. It, it's, fair, it's fair for the most part. But the headline is not. But I know what I'm dealing with when I go into the story now. Florida's Republican-led House on Thursday put the legislature's final stamp on two bills requested by Governor Ron DeSantis to penalize the Walt Disney Company for its public criticism of a new law restricting how sexual orientation and gender identity are addressed in public schools. All right, I take it back. That's not fair at all. Um, (laughs) So number one, to penalize the Walt Disney Company for its public criticism. It's not just public criticism. Disney, and by the way, people who are like, oh, there's their free speech rights. Disney is still free to make all the commentary it wants. Is this retaliation? Seems like it. Yes, absolutely. Will Disney have a cause uh, to argue that in court or something? Yeah, they very well could. Could uh, the Florida legislature, could Governor DeSantis lose in court on such grounds? They very well could. I have no idea. Not a lawyer. Okay? But... And, and, but, and a lot of this stuff right now is speculative because it's so far out, right? Nobody, nobody knows. Nobody could read the future. So everyone's making guesses and then reacting to other people's guesses about what might or might not happen. But Disney waded into a political fight and didn't just express an opinion. They then said, we are going to work against politicians who supported the bill. Nick Searcy is a uh, international film and television star, Peabody Award-winning actor. You may uh, know him from, uh, he was in Three Billboards. He was also in uh, The Shape of Water. But he he was uh, Chief Deputy Art Mullen in the series Justified. He was also Frank in Fried Green Tomatoes. Spoiler alert, he got killed. Anyway, that was his big break. But he's from North Carolina. He's from the mountains of North Carolina. And... I follow him on Twitter. He works pretty blue on Twitter, but uh, he's he works in Hollywood. He's been an actor for decades, and he just tweeted out something which I think captures a lot of the sentiment on the right right now, which is, and, and there is a lot of truth to this. He said, the moment that Disney publicly proclaimed that they would fight a law and a political party, they became a political organization. Political organizations should not be subsidized with government tax breaks. Disney wants to be a political player. This is what they get. And then you jump over here to uh, Vox.com, V-O-X, which is the left-wing mouthpiece publication. How Disney found itself in the middle of a culture war. Well, gosh, however did that happen? They just, we just found ourselves here. Like, I woke up and, oh my gosh, I'm right here in the middle of a war. Alex Abad Santos writes, quote, Disney doesn't like conflict. 
Conflict means taking sides. Conflict means making enemies, means personally defining what's right and what's wrong. None of those things are appealing to a company that's ridden high-gloss inoffensiveness to become the richest and most powerful entertainment company in the world. Yet, despite its immense financial power and commitment to deflecting confrontation, Disney has found itself stuck in a rather complicated one. However, did this happen to poor old Disney? Despite its political battle with DeSantis and its ongoing damage control with the LGBTQ community, perhaps the biggest fight the company is facing is its identity crisis. Because Disney's business plan operates on accommodating everyone, minimizing exclusion, uh, excluding anyone, right? It's trying to cast the widest net possible to appeal to the most number of people, right? That's the idea. So what happened? How Disney found itself at the center of the political theater. After much back and forth between Disney CEO Bob Chapek, or Chapek, 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 I don't know how you pronounce it. Anyway, Bob was having this back and forth with his employees and LGBTQ fans. So the House of the Mouse came out in opposition to the bill. Well, why did they come out in opposition? Because they were pressured. They were told, you have to stand up. You've got to say something. That's how they, quote, found themselves at the center. And rather than say, no, we're not going to get into this fight, they said, okay, we're going to, we're going to get into this fight. And, oh, my gosh, there's a fight. <laughs> I had no idea when I jumped into the middle of this fight that there would be a fight right in the middle of this fight. It's just amazing. News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Disney did not find itself in the middle of a political fight. Disney jumped into the political fight because they were pressured to do so by their employees and the LGBTQIA plus fans and activists. And so when they jumped into the political fight, they should have expected a political fight. It's one of the things that always kills me about you know people who think that they they always get an an at bat but their opponent never does. No, their opponent gets an at bat as well. So Disney jumps in, comes out against the the law, which the left and the media, but I repeat myself, have dubbed "Don't say gay," the "Don't say gay" bill, which it does not say. It says you cannot talk to kindergartners through third grade. You can't talk to them about your sex life. Okay, just stop. You're not supposed to be teaching them all of these concepts. This is for the parents to do. It's a bill that, by the way, is overwhelmingly supported by uh, Floridians. So they caved. Disney caved to the political left-wing mob. And they not only came out uh, against the bill, but they also said, we're not going to spend any money on any of the politicians that voted for it. We're going to withhold campaign contributions. Look, I don't have to pick sides. The Republicans that are retaliating, it's a convenient thing to do now. If Disney says we're not giving you guys any money, okay, well, then you know what? We're going to take your tax-exempt status or your Reedy Creek Improvement District status. Because reading through that thing, like, all right, 
I'm a libertarian, lowercase l, libertarian, conservatarian. I like that term. Um, I'm a limited government guy. I hate these types of subsidies, except for I understand there is like there is an argument to be made for, quote unquote, infant industries, which was talked about. You know, the founding fathers, I think it was Hamilton, talked about infant industries and how um, they could be protected with certain tariffs while they're getting, uh, you know, getting their legs under them. But at some point, those go away. They were they were for free trade. You don't get to pick winners and losers. Government should not be doing that. I am against all of the subsidies. I am against building stadiums for private corporations. I am against all of these crony capitalist policies that, well, everybody's doing it, so I guess we do too. I've been against them for years. I also noticed that a lot of political parties and elected officials are only against the ones that the other team does. <laughs> they, they tend to like the ones that they can claim credit for. I have noticed that. Um, so Disney has a very sweetheart deal. And I understand why they originally did it. I've read up on the, the history of it back in the 60s. There was a very lengthy piece here I've got um, from Sarah Rumpf at Mediaite. And... Uh, She goes into the history. Let me see. Where is it? Uh, Yeah. When Walt Disney was scouting Central Florida for his next theme park in the mid-60s, neither Orange nor nor Osceola County had the resources or staff to manage the massive development and the creation of the Reedy Creek Improvement District, whatever it is. I think that's it. Reedy Creek Improvement. Yeah. Well, it's RCID. Now, see, now I'm... Now I'm forgetting what the I stood for, and I thought I had it highlighted. It doesn't matter. All right, so uh, he goes to this area, and he's like, okay, I want to do this stuff, but the local officials are like, we can't afford that. We don't have the staff to help you do it. So he says, well, let me do it myself. The 1967 state statute that created this district granted the company broad powers to develop and control the land that they purchased to build projects and would eventually include some of the world's top tourist attractions like Magic Kingdom, Epcot, Animal Kingdom, Disney hotels, restaurants, retail stores. One of the stories I saw was that Walt Disney, the man, was uh, he was not happy with the development that popped up all around Disneyland in California. And so when he set up Disney World in Florida, he wanted to control everything that would go on around the theme park. That it, it, The district encompasses 39 square miles. All right, 39 square miles southwest of Orlando, stretching over two different counties, Orange County and Osceola County. Disney collects and remits sales tax to both counties, as well as collecting tourist development taxes from hotel guests. The RCID pays county property taxes, like $300 million over the course of five years through 2020, as well as levying taxes on its own properties to cover needed expenditures for local government-type functions like building and construction, maintenance of roadways, waterways. RCID, the district, demands a higher standard than the neighboring counties, and that results in immaculately maintained roadways, building codes that are state-of-the-art for the hurricane protection, and significant resources devoted to environmental protection. So, their level of service is way higher because they control the tax revenue. Hmm, interesting. Almost as if 
there's a lesson to be learned here that a private entity could, in fact, maintain the infrastructure of their property. Because what's the argument as a lowercase l libertarian that I always hear from my statist friends? Well, you're just going to what? Go out and set up your own fire department? You're just going to build your own roads? That's socialism. Hmm. So I can now point to Disney, your new favorite corporation, multinational, multi-billion dollar corporation, right? And how well they do it is, can I cite that as an example against your roads or socialism argument? By the way, most roads are actually built by private entities and then turned over for maintenance by GovCo. Anyway, uh, my beef with the way this was done is the way it was done in so short amount of time. That's my concern because what they have done is thrown a lot of stuff into chaos. And as a conservatarian, limited government guy, not a good idea generally to just, you know, upend the apple cart. Because these local, the local governments that are now going to have to start uh, doing the things that Disney was doing, let's assume that this moves forward, right? Let's assume that it, it survives court challenges and they end up rescinding the district. And now this stuff reverts back to the counties. These operational costs are going to revert back to the counties. And that means they're going to have to hire people. Now, the people who are doing this work for Disney, they get paid more money than the people who do it for the counties. So what are the counties now going to have to increase the pay for all of these people and bring them over to the county to do this? They don't know. Nobody knows the answers to these questions. It's all up in the air, which is why I kind of suspect that Disney is going to keep its mouth shut for a while and wait till the midterms. And after that, maybe they make nice and the bill gets repealed. The law gets repealed. The law, uh, the legislature had every right to do what they did, I think. You can rescind these privileges whenever you want. And honestly, as a limited government guy, I am in favor of rescinding special privileges like this to one corporate entity that gets an advantage over others. I also wonder if this is really necessary after, what, 50-something years. Maybe the benefits have already accrued and maybe now they should start to unwind these special benefits. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. All right, so this legislation in Florida that's now uh, passed, it goes to the governor for his signature. It's now awaiting final approval. Could spell the end of special benefits afforded to Disney since the 60s that allow the California-based entertainment giant to self-govern the land surrounding Disney World theme park in Central Florida. GOP leaders, including Governor Ron DeSantis, say the proposal is necessary to push back against woke corporations, while Democrats oppose the idea, warning of widespread ramifications for thousands of employees and the local municipalities expected to take on new responsibilities. In actions that took less than five minutes combined, House Republicans passed the bill, peeling back Disney's special privileges and another repealing a theme park carve-out in a measure approved last year that cracks down on tech companies. Anyway, there's no debate 
on either pieces of the legislation as Republican leaders called for quick votes due to Democrats protesting the GOP redistricting plan on the House floor. So uh, that there was another part of the story. That's why they were in the special session. They had these maps to approve. So let me jump over here to Ryan Saavedra at uh, dailywire.com. Florida Democrats reportedly erupted Thursday on the House floor as they were powerless to stop the Republican-led body from passing a new congressional map that's expected to yield favorable results for the GOP. And uh, by the way, this is how the Democrats protesting sounded. And we will vote on these two bills. It is my hope that we will be able to proceed civilly and with decorum and with respect for one another. Read the next bill. By Senator Bradley, Senate Bill 4C, a bill to be entitled an act relating to independent special districts. These are lawmakers in Florida. Representative Fine, you're recognized to explain your bill. Uh, thank you, Mr. Speaker. It seems as Mickey and many have joined us in the chamber today. That said, this is the bill that we discussed yesterday. Members, we will either go into structured debate or we will call the previous question. Representative Renner, you're recognized for a motion. Here, Mr. Speaker, I move the previous question on the bill. Representative Renner moves the previous question on the bill. This motion is not debatable and requires a majority vote. All in favor say aye. All opposed, no. Show the bill, show if motion passes. We will now proceed to call the previous question. The, 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 the clerk will unlock the machine and members will proceed to vote on Senate Bill 4C. All right, I'm not sure. All right, I'm not sure, uh, but I have it on pretty good authority that those were actually adults. <laughs> is that nuts? Of course, people in North Carolina, if you've been here for, uh, well, what, I guess probably eight years or so, 10, you know very well what this sounds like, right? This is the Moral Monday people. These are the same people that protested down at the North Carolina General Assembly every Monday, getting all of the media coverage. It propelled Reverend William Barber to national fame and riches. Because he was there to protest everything that the Republicans were doing. Because, well, they're Republicans. That's it. And the Democratic Party was so hollowed out from scandal and corruption, they had, they had no infrastructure to help them fight. That's how they got blown out in 2010. And, uh, and so they couldn't launch anything like that. And so here comes Moral Monday, funded by all of these leftist nonprofit groups and such. And uh, they basically did the work for the Democrats. And they built this Moral Monday movement. And they went in, they disrupted the legislature. They pounded on doors, did sit-ins in offices to try to prevent the legislature from governing. And that's what these people are doing. They're trying to prevent the legislature. I'm sorry. Let me use the uh, words that the lefties prefer. You're trying to destroy the democracy because that's what democracy looks like, right? Actually, is demo- does democracy look more like the legislature passing a law or does it look more like the mob screaming because they don't have the votes to stop it? That's a tough call. Very tough call for me. It also reminded me of our old pal Deb Butler. I will not yield. Remember her? 
when North Carolina uh, House members voted to override the veto, this is what Deb Butler did. This was like two or three years ago. You shall not do this to you shall not do this to democracy in North Carolina, Mr. Speaker. How dare you do this, Mr. Speaker? I will not yield. We're not going to let anybody touch you. I will not yield, Mr. Speaker. That was Deb Butler, state representative. So, so mad that Republicans did the thing that they said that they would do, which is bring up the vote to override the governor's budget veto. And the Republicans said that they would do this if at any point in the session, Democrats did not show up for roll call votes. And so one morning they looked around and they said, oh, there are uh, where are all the Democrats. There are not a lot of them here. Turned out they were across the street drawing maps in secret, which they totally were not supposed to be doing and chastised Republicans for doing so. So anyway, but they were off drawing maps. They later claimed that we were all at a 9-11 ceremony, which was not true. Lies. But that's what Blue and on thinks. And so Republicans said, hey, we can do the count. Let's go ahead and pass this uh, veto override. And so they did. And that's the way the Democrats behaved. Oh, and then she made a lot of money off it in fundraising. 